Welcome back to Are You For Real with Sarah Frick. Today, we are sitting down with Steve Palmer from Indigo Road Group. Steve's here. We're going to talk about so many different things. Um, and I'm really, I'm super stoked you're here. Thank you for I really asking. am. And I'm not saying, I love all of my guests. Okay, everybody that's listening. <laughs> but I'm really excited Steve's here because he is a very hard man to track down. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Thank a, you for the persistence. No, absolutely. He was like, I'll, we can do a phone interview. I was like, absolutely not. I right. need to be able, I need to sit in the room. Right. The energy's better. Well, so it is better. Give us a little, just for our listeners, most people know what you do, but just a little rundown of what the company does. Sure. So uh, the Indigo Road Hospitality Group, we were founded here in Charleston 13 years ago. Um, and so we own and operate restaurants and, and hotels now. Uh, in the southeast, um, uh, Nashville, Charleston, Raleigh, Charlotte, Highlands. Uh, and we have 25 restaurants and three hotels with a lot more coming. Wow. Uh, but Charleston's home, you know, it always has been. I started, I came here to go to college in 89 and started waiting tables immediately. And 34. Five years later, I'm still here. Yeah. So, yeah, Charleston's home, but we are hospitalitarians. And, and you guys travel a ton, though. We travel. I'm on the road almost every week. Um, and, and yeah, because I, I so, so sort of, you know, we all have like our mission quest or our why, as Simon Sinek mm -hmm. talks about. So how do you grow a small company with a beautiful culture to a large company with a beautiful culture? And can you do that? Um, and so this is still very important. So I still feel like I need to go to every single restaurant and look people in the eye totally. and say, I appreciate you. And especially right now, because yeah. of the staffing, you know, it's very hard. Um, and we define, Maya Angelou said it best, right? People will forget what you said. Mm -hmm. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And we think that's the literally the definition of hospitality, how we make people feel, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that certainly applies to our employees first uh, because we know that if employees love their jobs, then guests are naturally going to have a better time. It's so true. Right? Yes. Um, and so, yeah, we work, we're by far perfect and we stumble, but we work really, really hard on our culture of uh, this idea of taking care of each other. And I think, you know, I've talked to so many people on this podcast, too, just because we are in a growing phase. And kind of what you said, it's like, first of all, what we do, it's a little trickier because it's not as scalable. Like right. We don't have a, a menu, right? We have, like, people. We have people. And I'm like, there's only one me. There's only one Carter. There's only one Jillian. You know, there's only right. one KP. Like, it's, and that's, how do we take this culture and, like, because it's a feeling, it's an experience, it's a community. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how do you, like... Like I was talking to my buddy Aaron Siegel that owns Home Team. And yeah, I was like, love Aaron, good guy, love Aaron, such a good dude. And I was like, so we're thinking about going to Tennessee. Like, what what's your advice? And he's like, here's my advice. He's like, if you want to make more money and share the culture, great. He said, but you're gonna do less of less of what you love or the same of what you love, which is teaching, right? And more policy. And I'm like, I'm a, not a details person. Me neither. So that scares me. Me neither. <laughs> I'm the broad picture yeah. guy, yeah. right? Yeah. This is how I want it to look. Okay, y'all go. Say, I, yeah. I, yeah, that's why I have Carter. God bless Carter. She's amazing. Right. Um, but like, what is, just for me or anyone listening, like how, like, because you're, you guys are every, like. Big. Yeah, we, so we have 1,400 employees now. Jeez, um, it's amazing. We did, you know, we've made a lot of mistakes, right? As any entrepreneur we're going to make mistakes. Um, first off, you have to realize that and be gentle with yourself. And, and cause those of us that 
the brain never stops and we're always pushing, right. pushing for whatever, pushing for a nonprofit, not necessarily money oriented, but just pushing. Um, we, uh, so uh, several times a year, we do leadership conferences where we get everybody in the room and we decide on how we're going to grow or how we're going to run our restaurants and hotels together. Mm -hmm. Collaborative spirit, which is one of our emotional qualities, which I'll get to in a sec. Being collaborative is just natural to me. Mm -hmm. Like I want everybody in the room. I'm not very dictatorial. I mean, yes, I am the leader and ultimately... I sign on the debt at the bank and I sign the leases and it's scary, you know. Um, But we, uh, when we were at about four restaurants, to be honest, because of um, my addiction, old negative tapes, I wasn't even sure it was going to last, like imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. big time. Like, I was like, this is all going to blow up any day. Yeah. I don't deserve this. Right. But I got everybody in a room and I was like, okay, this is working. We had opened the Macintosh and Indaco and all the things on King Street. And and I was like, why do y'all think this is working? Yeah. And everybody goes, <laughs> What's happening, know, guys? Like, Tell me. Yeah. And, and, and over the course of two days, what we got to, sorry, long-winded answer no, to please. your question. Talk. What we got to was it's our people that make us. So then what is it about our people and what we what we realized is that it was emotional qualities, not technical skill, mm-hmm. that made our restaurants work. And so then we said, okay, so what are those? Self awareness, right? What kind of energy are you bringing to the, to, yep. the, to work every day? Collaborative spirit, curious intelligence. You're a student always. Right. So we defined all these things, and then we inter- we created interview questions. So, like, when I sit down to interview people, I never say, well, tell me about the last restaurant you worked. Like, right, right. I, that's not even... And we realized that if... And you, you do this for every person Every single... A, a dishwasher to a director of operations to a vice president. Got it. And what we realized is if you have the emotional qualities, we can teach you the technical stuff. Yep. How to ring up a check, how to mix a drink. Totally. How to chop a vegetable. If you don't have the emotional qualities, we don't have anything to offer you. As, as, and and, and so you can scale that, right? If you know what who you're looking for, not okay. what, mm-hmm. you can go to other markets, and it's fraught with imperfections, but... but you can scale that, and and you, but you have to realize that while um, the works is Sarah's ethos, it's got to be other people's ethos to keep going. Right. And I think you would probably agree that you can find like-minded people yes. that want to share this vision with you. Totally. And and that's what we're doing. That's sort of the grand experiment, right? And I can show you twenty-five P and Ls. And, and the, our most profitable restaurants have the best culture, mm-hmm. have the most people with the emotional qualities. When we make a bad hire, sales go down. More importantly, experience mm-hmm. goes down. Mm-hmm. And almost immediately when we switch that person, things, I mean, in DACA right here, um, we made an executive chef change. And I would have told you that th- that restaurant was maxed in terms of what it could do. This mm-hmm. was about a year and a half ago. We're up 40%. That's amazing. Because we've changed one person. We haven't, didn't change the prices, didn't change the concept. This person brought different energy, mm-hmm. and suddenly everything moved. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely scale. I'm a, if, that's, if that's here, then you got to do it because you'll feel stagnant if you don't. Yeah. 
but understand that what you're scaling is people. Yeah. It's not concept. It's not cool design. I mean, all that's fun. Right. But it's, it's you're scaling people. And then when you get to these other cities, I, I so you guys, when people come into your restaurant, that's how they learn the culture. That's right. Yeah. We have ambassadors. We have people that are there, whether it's KP or Jillian or... You know, maybe somebody's going for a month yep. to teach. We bring those leaders here. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll send them like Oku Charlotte has like consistently had some of the best culture, lowest turnover. So we send everybody there. Right. We go, you want to see our culture in action, go to that restaurant. Totally. Um, and when they see it, then they understand. And it's more of a feeling. Mm-hmm. I just interviewed a guy who he's already been hired, but he's been training around the southeast and he's and i said so how is it and he's like you're exactly who you say you are Mm -hmm. which is the fear right when you lay down when you grow that like you've cheapened your brand you've cheapened the integrity you're inside my head yeah and in a lot of ways i'm a conflicted soul right because i've like grown this big thing but corporate's a dirty word. I, I like. I don't I, like. I'll, I. I. I refuse. I, my line is: We are a mom and pop doing big things. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> where the rest of my team's like, no, Steve, we're a big company. Yeah. I'm like, no, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get excited about that because I think I never worked in a restaurant group. You know, when I was coming up, it was like, and there are a lot, our industry's changed, right? There's a lot more people with multiple restaurants than there used to be. But um, I never worked in a big organization. So this is all new. Mm-hmm. And I, I remind everybody, I've never done this before either. Mm-hmm. You know, grown to 25, that'll be 30 by the end of next year. It's wild. Yeah. Scary. Yes. <laughs> Scary, but so exciting. Yeah. I mean, that, it, that you know, and I think I, I've said this to my team before, it's like, I can teach, like you were saying, technique, or I, I can teach anyone to teach. Of course you teach. can. I can teach yeah. anyone to teach, but what I can't, what we have to do together is, like, how are we dynamic? How are we, like, connecting with people? How are we sharing, like, the heart work and making it relative, you know? Like, and I have some younger, amazing younger women that work for me that are half my age, you know? And I'm like, they're like, well, how do I connect to people that are, you know, your age? I'm like, you don't need to try it. You're not, a, you know, a 40-year-old woman with three children. Right. So you speak to what you speak to, and your people are going to find you. That's right. You know, and I always say, like, if somebody rolls their mat up in your room and they don't come back, that's okay. Like it wasn't for them and someone else is going to have a space now to unroll their mat. That's right. You know, and I, I don't want, I don't want you to try to cater to people. I mean, don't be a jerk. Right. But you know, I think that we're going to have to just be consistent and that really pays off. We're doing a pop-up in Denver this summer. Um, uh. Carter, Maggie and I are going and it's like the first time we've done something outside of North or South Carolina. And I'm like super excited. Yeah. But this conversation has been very helpful. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Listen, I love Denver and I, I'm having fantasy that we, Oku in Denver is like a, I love the West. We go out for the next couple of months. It'll be like Montana, Jackson Hole. Like I just love the West. Yeah. So good for you. Yes. It's, um, yeah, you, you have to. And, and to your point about like just being authentic and those will come and those people will leave. You know, we just had a, a, a guy come in from another big group, not a local group, and he and he they were much more like forty restaurants, but just two concepts. Mm-hmm. So it was much more like we run all twenty of them this way, and we run all twenty of them that. And he came in and was so just like looked around and was like, "You don't have these systems in place. What's wrong with you?" Mm-hmm. And 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 I finally just said, listen, I didn't, I never said that this was the only way right. you could run around. I just said, this is our way. Yeah. We give people autonomy. 
to do to be who they are to run the restaurant the way they feel but to just to your point and he left and it was fine but totally. i didn't we didn't need to bend to where he was mm-hmm. and we weren't the right fit for him right it's like there doesn't need to be a bad guy but when you're coming from that real knowing of who you are which we've spent 13 years of you know we have values on the wall yep. and i used to think oh this is kind of cheesy and corporate and i don't anymore like right. Be hum- be humble, be transparent. The, and these are things that we can point to. Yep. So doing that work allows you to grow. Totally. We're working with Gabby right now. Oh, cool. Um, from Wine and Food. Yep, of course. Um, and to do a lot of that stuff, because when I opened this studio, I'd come from my other studio, and um, I knew what I wanted, but I didn't... I. I was like, I just, just do, just do what I'm doing, everybody, right? Let's just all do what I'm doing. <laughs> right. And I'm, as we're growing, I'm seeing, you know, this, we need to, exactly, like, how, exactly what you're saying about hiring, because J- uh, Jillian, who's a mutual friend of ours, and I were talking about it, and she's like, because you can point to it. You can and point to it. And when things aren't working, it's like, hey, this isn't working. I'm not an asshole. This right. isn't working. <laughs> right. And that's our true north. And, and you, whoever you, you're falling out, like, we can look at that and say, but are you being humble and are you being transparent? Are you being collaborative? Do you get people pushed back on you on that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're, you know, when you, the bigger you grow, the bigger the target you are for criticism. Of course. Right? When you put yourself out and say, we are this thing. We are a company that helps our employees buy homes. We care. Mm-hmm. We give free mental health counseling. We're going to be a better employer. Just the very nature of that statement. Yep. People can tear it apart. Totally. And the and the bigger you grow. And in my world, you know, independent restaurants, there's a point at which big is bad, right? right? So there's people that would look at our group and go, that I don't want to work for a group. Right. Um so when you make all those statements, you have to be ready to be criticized. But you said it, your people will find you. Totally. And I there's this great quote by Hope Solo. She was a a uh, female soccer player, and she said, if everyone likes what you're doing, you're not doing it right. That's right. You know, and it's like, you, you got to, like, push it a little bit. You do. And we get pushed back a lot, and sometimes my girls are like, I don't, I was just trying to teach a class and speak from my heart, and I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That you know, okay. like, keep speaking from your heart. Right. Okay, let's, this is amazing. I feel like I've learned a lot. I just had took a college course, so thank okay, you. Okay, good. Um, and... <laughs> Always willing to share my mistakes with anyone. Yeah, but that's how you learn, don't you feel? That's how you grow, yeah. Um, So you wrote this beautiful book that Mm. I told you I listened to. Um, It's called Say Grace, Mm. and it's all about your story, which I told, like, I... Steve and I are new friends. He doesn't know this, but we're, I'm going to be texting him a lot after this. So. Oh, good, good. <laughs> but, I mean, as I'm reading it, I was just like, I'm in my car. I'm crying because I'm better at, like, when I'm schlepping my kids around after they go somewhere, I can, like, sit in my car and just, it's my time. And it was just, I loved the the rawness, the realness. You did not hold back at all. Um, and before we dive into it, I know some of our listeners have probably listened to it. And if you haven't listened to it, absolutely listen to it or go buy the book. Um before you started writing this, were you nervous? Yes. Um, th- there is, um, you know, center to the story is a very, you know, family of origin, a lot of trauma around my relationship with my mother. Um, my father died when I was 10, and but my mother is 85. Mm-hmm. And, um, y- you know, there's, a, there's tough stuff in there about our relationship. And, like, I had to go to her and say, look, I'm going to write this book. 
Um, I've been asked to write it. I'm, the money is going to Ben's Friends, our nonprofit. I think it's important. But I also want you to know that I know that this is my story. You may have a different story mm-hmm. if you want to go write a book about your story. <laughs> that you, but, you know, like, because it's tough. And, 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 and my, we still don't have, I mean, our relationship is very fractured. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 52. She's 85. You know, there's, there's been some healing. But, but there are gaps you know from from me being homeless as a child mm-hmm. and being abandoned and and really for almost a decade you you, you can't ever get that back you know yeah. you can't you, you can forgive and mm-hmm. there's been lots of that uh lots of workshops and you know lots of work mm-hmm. um uh, but but there's there's you can't get back time, and so she's sort of at the end of her life with a lot of regrets, mm-hmm. and I can't make that better for her right. because uh, so yeah it was very hard I I was you know you're I was talking about things that happened forty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did that bring up a lot for you emotionally? So, I know you've done a lot so of work. I, you know, I have, and yet it did, and yeah. and I can't like I'm not going to say it was this big cathartic. Cause I had done a lot of work. It was just revisiting a lot of, like I would call my sister and, and say, Hey, I remember this, this way. Mm-hmm. Cause I wanted to be as accurate, you know, emotional trauma sometimes colors the lines of reality. Um, so it was a process of writing and, and then calling my sister and saying, this is how I remember this. Do you remember this? Uh, the good news was, and it wasn't about me being right, but I was remembering everything correctly. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, it was really a hard, I'm not, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people are like, you know, this was so healing for me and really good. I'm glad, <laughs> glad you're feeling good. It was not <laughs> like I was, I was ready for it to be done yeah. when it was over. And then to put it out in the world was strange. And yeah. then it went to number one on Amazon, and that was even weird. You know, you're writing about, like, the darkest of the dark, and um, and and it wasn't about how many copies the book sold, but, but, but it reached people. I mean, I have gotten um, a, a mother of a war vet who is addicted to heroin, who is suicidal. You know, people from across the country reaching out saying, what do I do? Because uh, Say Grace, is I, I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict, uh, just to clarify what we're talking about. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, addiction wins more than it doesn't. Uh, it's like what the latest uh, number is two out of ten people actually get sober. Wow. So addiction wins. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's terrible. We we're dealing with a situation today at work, great human, bad disease. Um, So it was very, I I don't know that I would write another book, (laughs) you know, and I even in the book say, I am not an author. This is, this is it one and done. Um, But how it has affected people, um, I get emotional. I get, I I can't talk about it without getting emotional. You know, it just, um, when I, when I give talks on the book, when I speak, I feel like addiction has touched everybody in some way, you know, and it could be gambling addiction, eating disorders, but some level of addiction, Mm -hmm. um, it's so pervasive in our, in our society. And, and you just rarely meet somebody who doesn't, I had a friend who died. I had someone who killed in a car wreck. I have my uncles in AA, you know, I mean, it's, it's, 
Um, but I'm glad I wrote it. I, I almost didn't because uh, it felt very narcissistic. It felt very um, look at me, mm-hmm. look at me, and I, and I, that was not. Uh, but, it didn't come off like that. Well, good. I, good. I mean, well, I know I'm just you. one person, but no, no, it I didn't I, come I, off. I, I mean, because I almost didn't, I, you know. And then Mickey Bax, my co-founder of Ben's Friends, was like, "You need to write it." Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a lot of support. Um, but yeah, writing a book is is it's intense when you're writing about things. You know, I was homeless. I started drinking at 11, and so look, my father died at 10. And then, and and he was terminally ill for about six years. Mm-hmm. So I think I was a little more prepared for that. Um, my grandfather, his father, who was like captain of the Georgia Bulldogs, World War II vet, like bigger than life. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, but he was also that generation of camel non-filters. Right. Um, he, six weeks after my dad died, got diagnosed with lung cancer. And was dead by my 11th birthday. So, like, mm-hmm. both of my male figures were gone. Uh, and and my mom, you know, just wasn't emotionally capable. She just wasn't capable. I don't think she... I think she wanted to be. Right. But I started drinking immediately, was doing drugs by 12, and was being locked up in institutions by 13. I mean, like... That part of the story really yeah, shook me. It's, it's um, you know, Sarah, I... Um, I had this weird thing happen. Let's see, I've been sober 20 years, probably 10 years ago. I was in a 12-step meeting here in town, and I was, uh, and somebody across the room shared about being in an institution in Atlanta, and it just, and I walked up to them and I said, were you at straight? And he was like, yes, I was. And he was like, you don't know, like, he was like, go online. There's class action lawsuits, there's survivors groups and I you know and I I didn't have an idea and that was a time I think in our society I mean it was the early 80s mm-hmm. right we didn't know Nancy Reagan was just saying you just say no right. that's what you you know and it's like so simple mm, yeah so easy right <laughs> um and and we were just at a very different point and and but that was uh that was a very hard you know I mean we were abused yeah. and and we were abused I was there 13 months and that was considered short. Jeez. Uh, so, you know, it, it's writing about all of that again was just interesting and, and, and dark, but it seems to be helping people. Absolutely. Um, the main goal of the book was to move the Ben's Friends mission forward. So, you know, Ben's Friends, just real quickly, uh, Ben Murray was a chef who worked for us, who I had been friends with for 30 years. Ben left us. I didn't see him for 10 years. He came back and was helping us open a restaurant in Florence called Town Hall. Never saw him take a drink. Never. He worked 18 hours. I mean, you know, restaurant openings are mad. Bright eyes, like depressed is never the word you would have used for this human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, he um, he was shot himself in the hotel room that we had put him up and he, you know, when I called his 80 year old mom, um, the story, you know, he's been in detox six times yep. and he would never go to those meetings and he would go to detox and get out and say, I'm not going to do it anymore. And, um, and you know, the sad irony and really the impetus for Ben's friends for me is in that kitchen on opening night, there were three sober chefs that would have done anything to help him if he would have just said, 
how are you managing to stay sober because I can't? Yeah. And it really made me think real think about our industry and and you know so much of the um, the chef lifestyle up and to that point. This was 2016. It was about the bad boy chef with the tattoos and the bourbon collection, and mm-hmm. they're out all night. It's really kind of that rock star kind of. Um, but so Mickey and I decided to start Ben's Friends here, and and we thought, okay, it'll be this little local support group. We meet once a week. People that want to get sober can meet with people that are sober. It's it's very much like an open discussion. And then Anthony Bourdain committed suicide. Mm-hmm. The TV. Um, celebrity chef and it was like overnight the new york times the la times what is this ben's friends what is this you're doing right that's when forbes you know when the book deal came together um and so we're now uh, in 19 cities amazing and uh it it's it's i mean it's crazy how i mean i'm i'm one piece of ben's friends it's so much bigger is there an organization that keeps it like in the culture well, of what it is? I mean, to be? it's Mickey and I right now. It's yeah. mostly Mickey because <laughs> my day job's pretty big. Yeah. Um, we have leaders in every city, but you know, it's a nonprofit. It's pretty loose. And yet, and yet it's as we grow, like any organization, we're learning. Um, you know, we have 21 Zoom meetings a week, which happened during COVID. Wow. Uh, and so, wow. Sudden, yeah, I mean, like we were like, shit, we need to go to we need to go to Zoom. Yeah. And then and then it was, well, let's do uh, I think we were in seven cities at that point. We're like, all right, each day we'll have a different city host the meeting virtually. Yep. Um, and then people from London started finding us people from California, people that had never physically been to a Ben's friends. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, like, this daily Zoom, there's, like, 60 or 70 people on the Zoom. And you're like, oh, my, who are these people? Yeah. And everybody kept saying, yeah, I heard, I read about Ben's friends. I'm in the restaurant business. And I'm either trying to get sober, I'm newly sober, I'm sober, and I feel completely alone. Yeah. Um, and so this just beautiful, really cool thing and 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 what's really awesome is the level of ownership that people have taken of it um one day i was um i was i was leading on sundays and i was sharing and i noticed that some of the portland girls were with some of the seattle girls and i said are y'all in a camper (laughs) this was like when we were all locked down and they said yeah we decided we wanted to see each other so we rented a camper, we're in Oregon on the beach, and we've started the Ben's Friends Femmes. Oh, I so love it. So it's the girl group <laughs> within Ben's Friends. So now they have fem- women's meetings, yep. they have women's meetings online. Um, and so all of this, right, came from somebody committing suicide. And right. I, I talk about that a lot when people are, are in, in darkness, like everything that I have in my life, like everything, mm-hmm is because I became an addict. Mm -hmm. And that is like, it's kind of counterintuitive, like why would you choose? But I think on a soul level, like had I never seen the dark, I wouldn't have sought the light. Yeah, And and when you can just think about that in a most basic form, I mean, obviously I would never say, hey, Sarah, I hope you're homeless. I hope your dad (laughs) dies. I hope you overdose. I hope you stick needles in your arms. But when when you come through that, perspective is a beautiful thing and so I I think about Ben um a lot and and I you know occasionally his family's in Atlanta uh I'll run into 
I mean, I was at a charity event speaking and his brother-in-law came. I'd never met him. And we just instantly started crying. Yeah. And, and his family has been really amazing. Just like, you know, cause obviously his picture and we're sort of like, you guys, we won't, you know, we want them to feel good about right. what we're doing. Uh, and they have been so supportive. Um, and so to see, I mean, it's thousands now and to see, somebody on their first day mm -hmm. dark circles just dark yeah hopeless um to see them a year later with a light in their eyes and like hope uh th there's no amount of restaurants i'm ever gonna open and i love my day job but there's uh, there's nothing that touches that sense of purpose yep and and I, i've been talking about purpose a lot because it's different than ambition you know ambition is is awesome and i have lots of it um purpose is something more noble than that i think because mm -hmm. ambition is self-seeking on some level and right. that's okay yep um purpose usually is an act of service when you're doing something that's purposeful mm -hmm. um not always but i but you know with ben's friends i just like that's my purpose yep um it's my passion indigo road is my passion but but finding a purpose it just changed it's changed my life in in ways that it's hard to articulate, mm -hmm. um, but so I feel like I went way off on. No, I'm, uh, okay. I'm, this is fascinating. I'm, I'm like, like, holy crap! I'm like, where who did has I the go? Popcorn? So yeah, I wrote a book. <laughs> it's called Say Grace. Um, the name of the, and then it's how the restaurant industry saved my life because I, um, you know, with the Me Too movement, with the, the social unrest, there's been a lot of um, a lot of negative energy towards the restaurant industry over the last four to five years some of it necessary and needed <clears throat> and and things need to be addressed that have been but I feel sometime in this clickbait culture I sometimes I'm just like y'all I I really love the industry yeah I mean it, it, it literally was the place when I was addicted to drugs where they took me in Gates said if you show up and you work hard and you're you learn and you're part of this you can you're welcome here right and and that's what i always say about our business like it doesn't matter if you had money don't have money sexual or uh, orientation identification none of that college degree no co it doesn't matter yep. a restaurant is a place where if you'll work hard and be a part of the team you're going to be welcome totally and that to me that so when i say the restaurant business saved my life i mean it really it did and 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 i i mean i was i was homeless before i found this place yeah. that has loved me when I couldn't love myself, right? And people in our business have loved me. Mm -hmm. So um, I think one of, the, one of the great things that I love about Ben's Friends is I feel like it's, I say this all the time, we're not anti-alcohol. My wife drinks. Mm -hmm. I, every, most of my friends drink. Mm -hmm. um, we're pro-choice. And given the current situation, I want to make me, sure. Me too. Yeah. Me too. So is Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, pro choice. You know, pro choice in so many ways. But but you know that like you can work in our business and not drink. Right. Like it's not a prerequisite. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. And not only can you work in it, you can thrive. I, sometimes our employees, like I'll say things like, you know, if I wasn't, if I hadn't gotten sober, there wouldn't be an Indigo Road. Yeah. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Plastic Surgery of the Carolinas. Say hello to the skin pen microneedling device. This non-surgical solution is highly popular for reducing signs of aging, enlarged pores, uneven skin tone and texture, and diminishing acne scars. The skin pen creates tiny micro injuries that stimulates the body's natural healing process, promoting the production of collagen and elastin. In addition, your very own platelet-rich plasma, or otherwise known as PRP, is infused and applied to the skin. PRP contains high concentration of platelets, stem cells, and growth factors, and penetrates your skin through the tiny channels the microneedles create. The PRP supercharges the benefits from microneedling and addresses under-eye puffiness and dark circles to give you a more youthful, well-rested appearance with little to no downtime. Plastic Surgery of the Carolinas is a premier plastic surgeon's office and med spa located on Long Point Road in Mount Pleasant. Achieve more youthful skin that looks and feels healthier by getting a skin pen with PRP treatment today. While they are offering a limited time only treatment pricing for just $350, that's 50% off. To schedule or inquire about this promotion, please call their office at 843-881-3881 and always mention the works. And you can see, you know, and I'm like, no, this like physical space would yeah. not exist if I hadn't made that choice. It's, I, I just, when we walk out of here, I'll show you the studio. We have this huge sign that says grace because I always say because of grace. Like right. I had to find, I have never in my life felt losing a child is just, mm. just so painful. Mm. And, you know, I had lost my mom and I, we had a great relationship and, I just, it threw me into a place that I don't, I didn't understand. And I'd never felt depression like that. And it felt like dangerous almost. Right. Like, and I couldn't negotiate it in my own head. And as someone who's usually, you know, I can go do things. I can sweat. I can be with friends. I can pray. I can do all these things. And it was just, I could not, it couldn't get, it, it just dropped me into a place I'd never known before. Right. But I mean, you know, those are my twins right there. And I always say, you know, because of grace, I have another son too. Like I wouldn't have these babies. Right. And it, you know, I look back now over almost 10 years later or 10 plus years later. And I'm like, I wouldn't change it. Of course, That's we right. wish she was with our family. Yeah. But that was my, like you said about your addiction, like that was my biggest growing was the most painful times I've had where I've been literally, I couldn't even be on my knees yelling at God. Right. I was literally face down on the floor. Mm -hmm. Like, what is going on? Right. You know, and it's just, it, there's the only way for me was to like rise up. That's and right. like, and that's why I share her story so much too, because I, it's kind of like, I always like my ministry in a sense is like, there's so many women that are, have loss or, or if it, then after that we do a shit ton of fertility. And that was like, I just remember when I first started doing fertility, people would be like, I'm doing IVF. And I'm like, why the fuck are we whispering? <laughs> right? Like, right. Do you know, there's so right. many people doing this too, right? right? Like, right. we got to talk about this that's stuff. That's right. That's because, right. Because, you know, there's this amazing author, Gina Lauren McEwen. Mm -hmm. she, I love yeah. her. And yeah. she says, one of the things she said in one of her books is like, you know, shame dies when it's shared in a safe space. That's right. And that's really what we've tried to make this space. You know, you get people of all different things coming in, talking about all these different things. And people leave and they're like, oh, man, I'm not alone. That's right. You're not alone. That's right. You know, and... I think that's And I think that's one of the most beautiful gifts you can give someone is first listening to them, mm -hmm. allowing them to feel heard. Mm -hmm. But knowing that you're not alone, um, you know, the loneliness that I felt from my abandonment and being on the street and, and being addicted and, and it is, um, it was only a faith in a higher power mm -hmm. that like I literally believed, okay, there is a, 
there's somebody here with me. Totally. Um, and I've always known that, and I don't. I feel sad when people don't know that. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the most beautiful gifts you can give people is a sense of connection. Mm -hmm. You know, and so much of our shame, right? I mean, addiction is a very shameful thing. Um, but it, it's so powerful when we bring it out into the light. Mm -hmm. A little bit uncomfortable, a um, lot vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I did a TEDx talk here in Charleston. I had never admitted that I was an IV drug user. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why I thought that on a stage in front of a thousand <laughs> people being filmed, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, I have an audience, this <laughs> thing on? Yeah, and I did. And I literally, I'll never forget that day, I, I walked off to the side of the stage, out the side stage door, and I sat against the wall and just started bawling. And um, But to, you know, to be able to take those things out mm -hmm. into the light and know that it's okay mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's not scary. It doesn't mean you're still, um, it's powerful. It is. It really is. I, um, I like to call those vulnerability hangovers. I live with one yes. every day. <laughs> if you'd like, if anybody would like to work at the works, go ahead and just know that's going to happen. But I actually was riding a bike. I was riding in Chan's class yesterday and Kyle was in there, I think, and y'all are mm -hmm. friends. Oh yeah. And I think it must've been his seven year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, and she right. called him out in the whole room without even knowing him. Like she didn't say what it was. She just said seven years, seven, you know, and like, I think some people got it and the right. whole room's going fucking nuts. Just like celebrating this dude at like seven fifteen in the morning. I love that. Because I just, I don't know. And maybe I live in a bubble sometimes. I'm sure I live, you know, with people that are very aware and conscious and like wanting to do this work. But you know, you step in those rooms and some, they don't know everything. And if, if people feel that energy, they want to make do better, right? right? As I do better, other people do better. As I heal, you heal, you right. know? Totally. So I don't know. I love what you're doing. Well, All thank you. Thank you. I, um, I don't know why I got the gift, you know, um, we had to, we've had to let go of people in our company that are wonderful people, but the, they're not willing to face mm. their addictions and their demons. And, and we always offer help, but somebody has got to want help. And in that space, um, you know, I was the product of a, of a, of an intervention. I walked into the restaurant I was managing and the owner said, either clean out your office or go to rehab. Mm -hmm. And every fiber in my being wanted to tell him to fuck off. Mm -hmm. And I knew where the closest bar was like, and that's the crazy thing about mental illness is like, it just wants to kill you. Mm -hmm. That's really all that it wants. Um, and I have had many, many, many friends die. And you know, Sarah, I don't know why I got the gift, the gift of desperation. And I mean, I say that all the time, like, that place of like, I will do any, I am broken. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I am wide open. Somebody come, if you had said, if you had met me and said, okay, every day at noon, you're going to stand on your head mm -hmm. for 30 minutes. I would have, I would have done anything to change my life. Mm -hmm. Getting to that point, m many, many people never do. Mm -hmm. It's blame, victim, martyr, Life is happening to me. It's circumstantial. You know, I used to say, if you'd, if you'd had my childhood, you would drink like I drink. Right. You know, like all of those things. That so are, how do you get, like for someone that's listening, that's like, well, he can do it, but I can't. And, that, and I don't, I'm not saying victim mentality in a bad way because no, I've, no. I've been part of that experience so we, we all have. We all so have. So how, are there, is, you said, you know, the desperation, but is there, was there... Is there like people that are listening? Because we do get so many people that will listen for certain reasons, you know? Right, like, sure. Is there something you could, 
I don't know. Give yeah. Them. So at the end of your drinking or drugging or whatever, um, you know, because the disease is an allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, mm -hmm. which is a dangerous combination. Your body physically has an allergy when you drink mm -hmm. and you're obsessed with drinking. There's a saying, one is too many, a thousand, never enough, mm -hmm. right? So at the end of your drinking, there is this... Um, it, there is we. It, there's a saying. It's called incomprehensible demoralization, where you have a mat. You you will identify. Everybody will. I've said I'm not going to do this thing. Mm -hmm. I've said I'm not going to do this thing a thousand times, and I know this thing is bad for me, and I keep doing this thing. So addiction in that moment will tell you all of the reasons why you should keep drinking. Right? I'll use my example how am I going to be in the restaurant business? This was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. We weren't talking about mental health 20 years ago. How am I going to do this? How am I going to date? Mm. Who am I going to hang out with? Nobody's going to want to, uh, the, everything we do revolves. So that, that fear-based thinking and everything you want out of life is on the other side of that fear. And all I would say to people is like, step through the freaking, you know, like, I can remember getting out. I came home from rehab and literally like s that night was managing the restaurant again, freaked out of my mind. Mm -hmm. My best friend was on the phone saying, this has all gotten blown out of proportion. Mm. You're not an alcoholic because he was my best drinking buddy. Right, so right, the right. Mirror, mirror was, yeah. and he didn't want to look in the mirror, you know? And, and so I was in this moment and all I knew was that I didn't want to feel the way I had felt anymore. And I, I was aware enough to go, okay, you probably didn't go to rehab because you're supposed to start drinking again. Right. So something has happened and there is a shift. You were in the middle of a paradigm shift. So what I would say to everybody is don't listen to the fear because you cannot possibly imagine what is on the other side of whatever that thing is, that mental illness, that disorder, that mm -hmm. uh, when we went, when I went to rehab, the, the, uh, the counselor, we were in a session, I was probably three days sober. Like I, I wasn't even really sure where I was. And he was like, what do you want out of life? And there was a group of us and we were all saying things. And I said, inner peace. That was all I could come up with. Mm -hmm. And I think about what my life is now. Right. If you had told me 20 years ago, that actually, this is what your life is going to, I would have said bullshit. Mm -hmm. No, that that's not going to happen. So I, that's what I would say to people. Realize that that fear, those lies, that your disease or whatever it is that's talking to you, it's a lie. Mm. And, and you can't imagine the life that you will have on the other side of that. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I know after we lost Grace when we were... Have, trying to have more kids, and it became apparent that it was going to be a lot harder than it was getting pregnant with her. I remember I was sitting with my old business partner, and she's like, what do you want? I said, I just want to be driving down 26, and I want there to be a billboard, and it says, Sarah, this is God. This is what the next five years look like. You know, because you right, can't see sure. it when you're in it. Like, right. I didn't believe it. I was like, this is never going to happen. Like, this is this is who we are. This is our, you know, this is my struggle, and this is just where I live now. That's right. And now I look back, and I'm like, Wow. You know, you just, so that's, that's so true. That fear is loud. Fear is, fear, there, I would, I, there's so many people that are walking through this world making every decision based on fear. Yep. A fear of, a, of a, you know, self-centered fear is I'm going to lose what I have or not get what I want, mm -hmm. right? We know lots of those people. Yep. When I was in active alcoholism, that was, I was riddled with self-centered fear. Mm. 
But then it's fear of the unknown, constantly projecting. Well, what if, what if? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? And, and, and what you, I love what you said about the billboard because I thought about um, the infinite vision for our life mm -hmm. that stretches so far beyond. Um, prior to Ben killing himself, Mickey and I had breakfast one morning and we were like, man, we really, I said, man, I've had it on my heart. I want to do something to give back to the industry. I don't know what that is, but I just keep feeling like we need to do something to send the message that this is possible. And then we had breakfast the next Saturday and we're like, ah, oh, we're too busy. Mm -hmm. And then Ben yeah. committed suicide, you know, right. and I'm not saying like that I manifested a suicide, no, 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 of course. but I was searching for a purpose. Um, I couldn't have predicted all of that right. 10 years ago. I mean, this thing. So I, yeah, I mean, life, there's so much more in store than we can actually see. Yeah. Right. I mean, but you have to believe it. Mm -hmm. I mean, manifesting is real. Yes. My wife, she's like, you say something and like two days later it happens. And I'm like, I'm no different than anybody else. Yep. I have a notebook. I had been laid off in 2009 because the world was ending. Yep. And I worked for a big hospitality company and I was sitting under a waterfall in North Georgia in my journal. I was my manifest journal. And I wrote down that I want, this is a true story, I want a company that is based in Charleston, South Carolina, that owns and operates hotels and restaurants throughout the Southeast. Da, 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 da. I shut the journal, and 15 minutes later, Michael Meyer, who's now mm -hmm. been my partner for 13 years, called. So if you don't believe yeah. it, like, yeah. I'm no different than anybody else, yep. I literally wrote out everything that's happened over the last 10 years. I think... Too, I always say like when in flow we flow, which is kind of oversimplifying it. But like when you're in the vein of your work or in the vein of whatever you're doing, and it's you're not convoluted by like what everyone else is doing. I mean, we're on a corner right now. There's 60 fitness people around us, you know, right. and it's like I'm stoked for them. Right. And I had I had um I went to this event last night and I saw this woman who I used to come take class with me, but I haven't seen her in a while. And she was came with me. And she's like throwing all these excuses. Like I'm I haven't been da, 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 da. and I was like, listen, I said, listen. <laughs> listen friend's name I said that's cool I said I really want to travel light and like I'm not look like I'm not I'm never going to lead my business with fear or jealousy because that's not going to help anybody right um and if you want to come back we'd love to have you sure but no worries right and then she texted me this morning and she was like I hope that really didn't come off wrong and I was like no no I really meant what I said like I, I was just clear you right. know we're good we're, we're good. good I'm stoked for you like do what you need to do right so um that's awesome. Well, your story's so amazing. Oh, well, thank um, you. One last thing, and we could probably talk forever, but someone who's not, who is listening to this that isn't in the industry. Right. What, what, what's the first step possibly for them to, you know, thinking I can't, or, or the shame thing you speak about. Yeah, yeah. Well, A, Ben's friends, you're always welcome. Okay. Right. Well, just because we're for the industry, we would never turn anybody away. Um, you can go to Ben's friends hope.com and log on to a meeting you don't have to speak you can just sit there and listen you can come to a meeting um you are not alone wherever you are you there is somebody that, like the process of uh you know i went the traditional 12-step community way um that process of you you there's a process where you write down all your fears, all your resentments, all your sex stuff, all of your stuff, and then you share it with another human being. And mm -hmm. it is one of the most mortifying, terrifying <laughs> things that you will ever do in your life, right? 
And then that person looks at you and says, I didn't hear anything I haven't heard before. Mm. And I'll never forget that day. I, they're called sponsors. It was like a spiritual mentor. And he said, I want you to go walk on Sullivan's Island and just, just go walk for a little while. And I was crying. Mm -hmm. I was looking out at the ocean. And, and it was the first time that I was talking to God. I talk out loud to God a lot, mm -hmm. sometimes like in the car. And mm -hmm. people kind of look at me weird. But Sorry. I'm like, hey, God. So yeah. <laughs> it's very much like a conversation as much as, versus a dogmatic. I mean, I pray. Yeah. Huge believer in prayer. But it, to me, it's like talking to my older brother. Right. Right. And so I was walking on Sullivan's and I was crying. And I, but it was the first time that I felt like I am part of the human, I'm, I am part of mm. and not separate. And, and it was just going through that process. So I, that's what I, that's what I always say to people is like, there are, there is a, a world of people in the mental health recovery community that want nothing more than to help. Mm -hmm. Like it's part of the credo, right? Like once you give the gift, you have to give it away to keep it. Yeah. So and that and 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 that's very natural, mm -hmm. especially if you, you know, once you like I have this gift that can be like I'm not cured, I'm still an addict. Yep. So it's a daily thing. Part of that daily work is sharing with others. Yep. So there's people in the recovery community, men, women, all walks of life that want nothing more than to help. Um, you just got to walk through that door. That's all you got. It's probably how you feel in some ways about your practice. Mm -hmm. People just have to walk through that door. Yes. That's the biggest. Just give me 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah, come on. Know, just come on. <laughs> and that's probably the biggest step for them, right, is that first step across the door. Right. Um, it's the same way with recovery. Mm -hmm. Recovery is here. It's not easy. Um, but, man. It is. Life is so good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a stepdad. Yeah. Uh, you know, How I old have, is your stepdaughter? She, she'll be 12. We, we're in a month-long birthday celebration right now. I did that uh, for my 40th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need to do that for some of my birthdays. Um, she's 12. Uh, never wanted to be a dad. Met my wife four, five years ago in July. Um, didn't want to be married. Had done that mm -hmm. back in my active addiction days. Um and like I always say, if you want to make God laugh, make a plan. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So four years ago I was single and now I'm married and with a twelve year old yeah. and we go horseback riding and she competes and anyway. That's yeah. awesome though. God is good. It, he all really the time. is. Yes. Yes. All the time. Um, so for the people that are listening, I know you said it before, but can you tell them again where to find Ben's Friends? Yes, bensfriendshope.com. Okay. And is um, there anything on social for it? Yeah, we, we're on Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're not on Twitter, but we're on Instagram, Ben's Friends. Okay. Yeah, we're there. And then the book can be found? Amazon, anywhere, um, Audible, um, Say Grace, How the Restaurant Industry Saved My Life. Yes, and I really highly recommend y'all reading, listening to it. It was... I. I I, I did it in like a day, literally. Yeah. I was like, everyone, get out of my car. I got, I'm listening to something. <laughs> They're like standing and all, on the and street. And all the money goes to Ben's friends. So even better. like any proceeds from the book goes to the nonprofit. So even buying the book, you're helping. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being Thanks here. For I asking. really appreciate it. Thanks. Um, you guys, I know you enjoyed this episode. So please rate us, review us, share this with all your people. And we'll chat soon. 